Esoterica the Podcast. Welcome to Esoterica the Podcast, where we discuss the obscure, offbeat, and unusual. I'm Chris Schultz. And I'm Aaron Christian. Today's episode is brought to us by Westworld. Discover your true calling. A world of adventure. A world of danger. A world of fantasy. A world without consequences. Without judgments. Live without limits. Westworld. A division of Delos Destinations Incorporated. Warning, these violent delights may have violent ends. Tripping over yourself over there. (laughs) There's a lot to spit out all at once. Um, You know, you're thinking those little disclaimers, the legal disclaimers at the end of ads. Um, So we have a guest in studio today. That's something new and exciting for us here at Esoterica, the podcast. Yes, it is. I'd like to welcome um, my wife, often mentioned but never heard from. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Hello. Thank you for having me. So we have something um, also unusual that we're going to discuss today, which is uh, probably not that we have a lot of controversy over our shows, but we have sort of a loose definition of what esoteric is. We don't have a lot of controversies, but we did say Jar's name wrong that one time. God forbid. Yeah. So actually, (laughs) I I think the next album that I'm doing is a French artist, and I was thinking of pulling Carrie in simply to read the titles. So that we didn't slaughter. Not them. that I don't want to carry back on, but I want to piss that guy off again. Right? <laughs> I might send him a message and be like, "Hey, we're doing another Frenchie. If you want to check it out, he's um, a bien alors." Jarre, leave me alone. All yeah. right, I'm 21. The hell is the I'm same not with culture. me. I'm 48, but I learned Spanish. I didn't learn French. So, how do you say "fuck you" in French? I don't know. Um, anyway. So we're taking a look at a band today that you'd really have to argue the definition of esoteric. And that band is BTS, the um, The, sensation. The biggest band in the world right now. The biggest band in the world, hailing from South Korea. Um, And one of the reasons that we're treating it uh, as a, well, there's a couple things going on. One, we're we're whores for hits. We're looking for listens. So we thought we'd try to... (laughs) Get something a little more popular so people will listen to our show. But more importantly, I believe that BTS actually is an esoteric band insofar as that they're the biggest band in the world. They're and immensely nobody, popular, but like nobody. nobody's ever heard of them. Whenever yeah. I mention them, nobody knows who they are. So they are the biggest band in the world, and nobody knows who they are. And one of the definitions of being esoteric is. Um, having an exclusive audience. Yeah. I think there's a language barrier and a, a cultural barrier that a lot of people are might be, I don't want to say intimidated, but... I think a lot of people forget the world's a little bit bigger than the United States, so... It really is. It there's... probably is the biggest band in the world, and nobody's heard of them because they're stuck in their bubble. That's right. And when it's a foreign band that's singing in their native language, uh, radio stations tend to... Not play it. Yeah. Very that. easy to just tune it up. So, Carrie, you want to tell us a little bit about uh, BTS? BTS is put together by um, an agency like any other South Korean boy band. Um, Not like any other South Korean boy band, but similar to. Um, Back when they started, there are three agencies. They always call them the big three, like three major talent agencies in Korea. <clears throat> that produce like pretty much every group that comes out. They're not from one of these agencies. They were, it was a new agency just starting up. They were the first band that this agency debuted, right? Mm. And 
they started a little different in that they didn't just like hold open auditions initially. They had a guy that they wanted to make a band around and then they recruited the rest of them through various uh, means. But so they started with a, with a member already and mm -hmm. then they used like kind of his idea of what he wanted the band to be like and they obviously guided him because he was fucking 16 years old, you know, <laughs> so they didn't just like let him have, you know, but that's how they ended up. They um, debuted in 2013. They were between the ages of, I want to say, 15 and 20 when their first full length album, album came out. And BTS stands for? Uh, it's actually a Korean uh, term. It, it's the BTS is kind of um, it's, Bangtan is one word, which means bulletproof. That's literally translated as bulletproof. And Sonyeondan, which means a group of young men, um, which they translate as Boy Scouts, meaning like not like a. It means like a group of upstanding young men, you know, like specific to you know not like a a gang, you know, but more like Boy Scouts. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so um, what we're listening to today um, is the fourth EP. Uh, from BTS, titled The Most Beautiful Moment in Life Part 2. And this album was released on November 30th of 2015 by Big Hit Big Hit Big Hit Entertainment. It is available in two versions and contains nine tracks, with Run being the lead single. Yes. So accurate. Right. So, All right, but before we start with the music, I have uh, just a little background, because this is why I chose this album in particular. This era, they go by <laughs> this era, which they call the H-Y-Y-H era, which stands for what the album title is in Korean, which I can't recall, um, but it's translated to the most beautiful moment in life. But we call it the H-Y-Y-H era. And this is where something beautiful happened. Let me bring you to the magical world of the BTS universe, okay? This it's a fictional timeline based on them, but not actually about them. And it's quite in-depth and involves a lot of speculation and theory. People have, and it involves the videos. And this is <laughs> a novelization of their timeline. <laughs> And it's basically about, well, one of their big things is that they need to be together at seven. They need all seven of them any, for any, you know, to be BTS, you know, okay. you know, they're not, they're not individual pieces like that can be replaced or anything. And in the fictional universe, they've all undergone various terrible hardships, um, which they haven't in real life undergone. <laughs> um, and then, so, and they get into trouble. When they're not together, when they're not together, they have hard times. When they are together, everything works out. But when they're not together, then they get hurt, they get killed, they get 
arrested, you know, things, bad things happen. And so one of them, who's like the key, he, whenever one of them gets hurt or lost or something happens, he goes back in time and changes, tries to change what happened, like a butterfly effect. Like he tries to figure out what he can do different, which will make the outcome different in the end. Yeah, and so you can uh, take a look at this book while we're listening. So, shall we get into the album? Yes, please. All right, the first track uh, is the intro, Nevermind. Uh, you want to set that up for us? Um, that's, a, that's a rap intro. Uh, and, yeah, it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the album uh, about one of my... Oh, okay. So it's like a lot of the theme is about youth, you know, and um, trying to figure out who you are, what you mean to the world, like why you're here and how you're supposed to behave and how to be happy, you know, to find yourself and your place in society. And so the theme of this is that, yeah, everyone is going to make mistakes. It's kind of an angry sounding song. Um, confronting the fact, that, you know, that you can't be so afraid to make a mistake that you don't do anything. You know, everyone's going to make mistakes. And so you got to learn how to not worry about it too much. Um, you know, learn from them and grow, but don't regret them I mean like don't spend the rest of your life dwelling on this mistake that you made remember to tell yourself never mind it don't worry and don't be so frozen in fear that you don't make any progress is that's basic all right let's take a listen <laughs> 어느새 나는 가족의 자랑이 됐고 어느 정도 성공을 했어 <웃음> 사춘기란 말 아는 그중 생각이 나는 문득 그 당시 나는 어렵고 무서울 게 없었지 몇 번을 좌절 그건 아무것도 아니야 달라진 거라곤 그때에 비해 조금 커진 키와 동나이대에 비해 조금 성숙해진 시야 남산동의 지하 작업실에서부터 so <laughs> the song is kind of reckless and, and rebellious. It's uh, one of their kind of like angry songs. Um, they, they really, they do a lot of different kinds of genres. You know, they cross genres. Uh, this is a hip hop song. Um, they, and they're kind of punk, like hip hop, you know. And there's a lot of imagery in their videos of like, uh, you know, lost youth, you know, a lot of Nirvana t-shirts and things like that, you know. Which I was thinking of with the line, never, never mind. mind. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's... <laughs> so I was on Genius while we were listening to the song, and it's, it's kind no of hard to... No surprise there. Yeah, right. I didn't read any of the annotations. I was just looking at the, the translation. And it was kind of difficult to follow, because like I'm trying to listen to the song, which is only two minutes long, and there's like eight pages of lyrics. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if that was like... I didn't get anything out of looking at the English translation that I, time. I tried in my head to like 
place the lyrics into the song like in English and then try and follow along. Mm-hmm. And it worked for about a solid 30 seconds before I realized we were in the chorus and it was, I was still reading the verse. So. Yeah. Now, and I heard some English in there as well. Yeah. So that, that is, is that a frequent thing with, yes. mm-hmm. with Korean or just BTS? No, I would say with, with Korean bands, they, they do interject English on a semi-regular basis. Maybe not to the extent that BTS does. Um, but a lot of South Korean uh, artists are actually from different places, like not from Korea. Um, there's a lot of Korean Americans, like people who grew up in California and moved mm-hmm. to Seoul and who speak Korean, but they also speak English, you know. So there's a lot of, you know, Chinese people, um, Thai, you know, this people from all kinds of places. So they're not all Korean always. Yeah. It's a melting pot. It's a melting pot. All right. Our uh, next track is Run. You want to... Uh... Which was the, the lead single. This is the way also um, the structure, the way the albums are structured uh, with the single. There's always an intro. There's an outro. You know, that there's stages of the album, you know, which move along according to a sort of logic. Um, So this is their single. And um, I would highly recommend uh, watching the video at some point too. Because it gives a whole, to to be honest, the song is um, not like one of their deepest lyrically uh, in that it's kind of a love song, like a sad love song. Um, But it goes along with the theme of, what did I write? Oh, about um, being uh, fragile, sort of, and uh, and self uh, self harming, sort of behaviors. You know, that's it, it's that the whole thing about the universe. You know, like being self destructive. You know, being reckless in youth. You know, so it's a love song uh, that's one of those kind of uh, ang- anguish, angsty. Angsty love. Yeah. Okay, so let's right. listen to And run. it's really catchy, too. All right. All righty. Before you got into BTS, our daughter was um, yes. a, a big fan, and um, me being an indulging father, whenever I was driving in the truck with her, uh, we listened to BTS, and I can definitely be a bit of a music snob, and um, you are, yes, I am, and just you know, like like boy bands, hip hop um, in general is not. It's not that I dislike it; it just it holds no interest to me. And it all sounds the same. Like we listen to Kiss One Hundred Eight, which is our local, like, popular radio station, and it just sounds like the same shit recycled all day long. I will say, when Isabel started listening to BTS, I noticed, like, right off the bat, it's it's actually it's enjoyable. It's catchy. It is. It's good music. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's uh, pleasant to listen to. I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, the video um, for this song. 
because the song's lyrics, you know, are again like about a sort of self-sacrificing. Like I, I, I would run over glass and just so I could be with you, you know, kind of thing. Like I would hurt myself and um, sacrifice to, uh, you know, for and like ostensibly they're talking about a girl or you know what I mean but the video like has none of that like it's not a romantic video at all um so it has like a different feeling to like that mood the emotion of the song it's not so much about the the lyrics um which are nice lyrics too actually you know like that they are a little angsty um and <laughs> but um but it's not like a love song, really, mm. you know? It's sort of under the guise of a love song, but it's about yourself more, about like figuring out who you are, especially as you grow up and you change, you know, the choices that you make and where you end up. Now, we talked before that the South Korean music industry, it kind of be like, you know, manufacture these groups pretty much, right? Mm -hmm. So do these guys write their own stuff? Yeah. They do? Um. They have uh, producers and like regular people who work with them. Um, the rappers all write their own. So anytime there's rapping, the guy who is saying it wrote it. That they right. don't do other people's. Um, and sometimes they write they write the other lyrics too. And the other ones, they're, the three of them are like the main lyric writers, the three rappers. But the other four write lyrics also. And they all do like solo. This is not another thing that how they usually structure their albums is that they have songs that are all of them and then they have someone featured or they'll have like just a vocal song, you know, that's all singing and no rap or just a rap song or, you know. Mm -hmm. So they usually get a chance to like showcase their individual talents and expressions. But that's obviously uh, what we call OT7. <laughs> and I don't remember what OT stands for, <laughs> but it's all seven of them. Oh. I, I don't know. It just went back in my head to the, the scouting metaphor. So there's seven of them. It's like a patrol. It's their crew, you know? Mm -hmm. The patrol method. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's they're, cool. they're, they're your squad. That's my squad. Yeah. My bros. With, with, the, with the novelization thing, I'm kind of getting, and this is going to sound dismissive when I say it, but I hope you, you get where I'm going at, like a Scooby-Doo vibe. Yeah, you know, like they have their misadventures that yeah. they go on, yeah. and it's it's oh, yeah. not comical. They drive around like, in a van solving mysteries, right? <laughs> <laughs> and like that's a good motif. It doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, the the crap that Scooby Doo is. It, right. it can it definitely be but it, the yeah, crap a, that Scooby Doo. It's about is. a gang. Scooby Doo is not quality uh, writing. Let's be I didn't, honest. I didn't say it was. <laughs> <laughs> and BTS, as far as we know, has not introduced a scrappy. Correct. They do not have any uh, kind of mascots or sidekicks. No, no canines. All right. So uh, the next track, Butterfly, yeah. set us up. Um, this one is flows directly from Run. Uh, and it's, again, about a like self-destructive love. Of course, the butterfly it, metaphor is, you know, the butterflies are very, very fragile, very pretty and elusive can't really touch them without killing them you know <laughs> and you you can't really hold on to them you know what i mean you can't yeah. you can't possess a butterfly 
as much as you'd like to, you know. All right. Let's uh, give Butterfly a listen. So a lot of um, the themes that they deal with in a lot of their songs have to do with identity and, you know, how, how you understand yourself. Um, and especially in the music industry, um, you know, that they're encouraged to take on, you know, stage names and personas, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's a sense that, and especially even with like the novelization and everything, that, that they are characters and then they're actors, you know what I mean? Like they're two different people and like trying to figure out who you are, you know, and losing yourself into the music industry or to fame or um, losing touch of what it was that made you want to become an artist in the first place, you know, mm -hmm. to become overwhelmed with things like power and then a fear of losing that power, like of not being famous anymore, you know, things like that, that are, um, they've explored a lot more as time goes on. Interesting. It's funny, like the, the butterfly motif. Everybody knows the symbolism of a butterfly. It's usually a transformation of mm -hmm. some sort. It, it did, and I, I don't know if I'm going off on a tangent here, but I started running through my mind the idea of like, what if you fell in love with a caterpillar? Like how tragic would, I mean, assuming that you're an insect or something also, I'm not saying a person falling in love with a caterpillar, right. but to, to fall in love with somebody who is a caterpillar. Uh-huh knowing that, that they're they are going change to change and fly away and go away exactly and like what a tragic relationship that would be nice very nice good job um also with the one of the things that i i was picking up on this song um do you remember aaron when we were listening to the who's the greg yeah i do um, remember <laughs> that was uh, earlier in our season yeah um, we got an international two. international flair this week um uh, so obviously they sing all in Mongolian, mm -hmm. and uh, they're you know they're a metal band, so there's a definite like sound, yeah. you know, distinct sound that they have. But as I was reading the the translation of the lyrics, I started to realize that the atmosphere of the song captured what they were singing about, and I, I kind of got that same vibe in this song. Yep. It's speaking of that like atmosphere kind of thing too. There, it it gave me like a '90s pop vibe in a weird way mm -hmm. and and so in a sense it was kind of like nostalgic to listen to like it was something i've heard before which is kind of like we talked about nickelback which was i'm not trying to make that connection but um no we talked about how a lot of people don't like nickelback because of how familiar it is and i think this has the opposite effect you know this might be one of those scenarios where you know there's a familiar familiarity with it that you know it, it draws people in so i think there's part of that with this song yeah. Again, the, the the genre like shifts and um, it's kind of fluid throughout the, you know, there's different moods set by different songs. There's some, some, some of their songs sound like R&B or soul, you know, obviously hip hop, rap, pop, you know, um, 
whatever other kinds of music there are. <laughs> interesting. So uh, the next song has got an interesting title. Yeah. Whalian 52. Correct. Um, there is a species of whale, evidently. I am no whaleologist, as you know. But um, you know how whales, whales communicate with each other? with their singing sort of you know they mm -hmm. make sounds um and they know what it means like they are actually communicating with each other but there was discovered uh one species of whale whose songs are 52 hertz which is some kind of it's not audible nobody can hear them they are making noise and they know this because of i don't know ver you know, the biologists or marine biologists or whatever who have studied, <laughs> they know these, these whales are talking, but nobody can hear them. Um, and so Namjoon RM uses this as a metaphor of being lonely. The loneliest, they call it the loneliest whale in the world because they can't talk to anybody, nobody can hear it. Um, and whales are big, obviously, you know, like they're not a small, delicate thing like a butterfly, but they can be sort of forgotten, uh, erased, if you will, you know, ignored. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like what that's about. See, and, and it's another metaphor for like show business or whatever, like being in the ocean, this huge ocean, and feeling powerless and small, and like you can't affect your surroundings in a way that you want to and uh, that sort, kind of sort of like being a member in a pop band yeah kind of like um, that interesting all right let's give uh hopefully we'll be able to hear whaley in 52 as we listen to it so So in that song, you, you notice they use a lot of effects that sound sort of like undersea, you know, that, that sort of a whale sound um, of crying, you know, like. Mm -hmm. One is the What did you whale. guys think of? <laughs> I, I kind of got the same vibe as the last song in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was just not a bad thing. It's not an insult. No, no, and that's what I was saying about, like, the tracks yeah. all lead in a specific way. Mm -hmm. They're not, like, randomly chosen. They're, you know, they're sequenced right. in a way that makes sense, that, that tells a, a narrative. Yeah. Um, and the next song is switching to, there's a chunk of songs in the middle that become more political or about, like, society, especially mm. um, specific to Korea. Mm -hmm. I really dug the uh, the sound of the record. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, yeah. Oh, that's um, that's Sugar. He he always does that. He does. Um, he'll also you do like sounds of a tape player. I love that. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things. Nice. Yeah, nice. I I like the uh, the concept. I think that's a really interesting um, comparison. Mm. You know, 
apt metaphor. I had a whole other thing I was going to go on, and I completely forgot. Like, I was going to pull a line out and sound smart. And <laughs> Well, and, and Aaron did mention, uh, and, and I agree with this, that the, the rap yeah. style was uh, reminiscent of Snoop. Mm-hmm. That sort of laid back, you know, Snoop's well, the three, not in a hurry, you know, when he's yeah. rapping. The three rappers each have a unique individual style of rapping. And like I said, they all write their own parts. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, I believe it was J-Hope who was rapping when you said that part. He does tend to have a little, like, looser, you know, like Sugar's very on point, like staccato sort of. Um, and, yeah, J-Hope's more kind of, a like, groovy it, and again, this is I, I find this endlessly fascinating that a South Korean band is influenced by American hip hop, which has its roots in African music, mm-hmm. and it's just this the evolution of music Correct. around the world. Yeah. yeah, dude, it's all like Rob Gilman says, um, "All weather is local." Like all music is world music, mm-hmm. and that's what, another thing that that is a um, that they say there is <laughs> music is its own language. You know. Yeah. You shouldn't have to know how to speak Korean to be a fan. You know, th- there's a line here. There's a whole section. I figured out what I was okay, going to say. Cool. So we have, the, and I think you know. Let me just say it first. So uh, when loneliness is the only thing that stays by my side, I become completely alone. It's rock the fill my uh, rock the fill sadness. Somebody says bastard, you become a celebrity. Oh fuck that. So what? So if I'm interpreting this correctly. It's the, I'm still alone, even though I'm... Yeah, exactly. And people saying, like, I, you know... Right. Boy, you feeling sorry for yourself. Boo-hoo, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah, right. if I go home to your millions of dollars, and the, I'm right. sure that'll comfort you. And, and so I find that kind of funny in terms of the people, like, that we've had on the show a lot of the time, because we one of the questions we always ask is, how is the pandemic treating you? And they're always hesitant to say that something is bothering them yeah. because they don't want to come across as, as... complaining. Exactly, even though they have all these things. But everybody goes through mm-hmm. whatever, no matter what measure of success. So yeah. I think there's you know a relative mm-hmm. thing there. We can yeah. apply to our own experiences. Yeah, and I, I think the ups, like sometimes they're a little nervous of saying something because, you know, like, like I think Homer has pointed out a few times... I, I'm an artist. I like being in the studio. Like, this is perfect. Right. Other than the fact that 500,000 people in the United States have died. Like, mm. I couldn't ask for a better excuse to stay home. And that's okay. Well, and like, the, Speak your these truth. guys have, uh, th- this was last year, 2020, was supposed to be a big, big year for them. They had a whole complete album came out in January, at the end of January. And there were stoked supposed to be starting a world tour which was sold out huge stadiums all over the world which was supposed to start in april and obviously did not happen and prior to that you know they they have a heavy schedule all the time like they're always working um and they get burned out you know like they had just gone on a vacation like at the end of 2019 and then they were like we're coming back better than ever you know um and then now they're forced to take another vacation and then they feel bad complaining about it because it's like well i've been wanting some time off but then at the same time then um so then they spend time like writing songs and recording they actually put out a second album last year because they had nothing else to do but you also don't get that feedback from an audience like there's a when you 
perform live, especially like a stadium tour. And they they put on a show. They got like fucking fireworks and everything. It's like a real energizing event. And um, so they haven't had that kind of positive feedback from a live audience. And they've performed like from a studio, you know, like they've been on, you know, The Tonight Show or whatever. But they perform on a soundstage, you know, with no audience. And it, but they, so they, they don't like to complain though. Like whenever they come up and if they're trying to say like, I'm really miserable this year, it's been sucking, you know, but (laughs) they, but they don't want to say that because they don't want to sound ungrateful, you know. Well, props to South Korea because they know how to contain a pandemic. Yeah. But they don't know how to not be blamed by the rest of the world for the Asian flu. I did see somebody comment today, and uh, I, I thought about going on a rant. Because uh, why is it not okay to say the Chinese virus, but it's okay to say the Africa variant or the New York City variant? I'm like, is it okay to say you're just a stupid ass? <laughs> like, uh, okay. So the next song is uh, Ma City. Yes. Know, wow. um, yes. This uh, and this is a, like I said, very specific to South Korean culture. Um, and I, like I, again, I don't want to get into a, like a whole history lesson, but as we know, um, Korea's been colonized. Um, a, they haven't always been independent, you know. They've had a lot of political uprest, wars, and what have you. Um, so there's a lot of uh, evidently because it's a isolated peninsula and. Um, it's very mountainous, so like the, there's regions, the provinces, um, and they're pretty isolated from each other to the point where they almost speak like different languages. They call it dialect, but like if, where you're from in Korea, like you have a different accent and and it has a different culture. And so um, this is about uh, your regional pride. And since all seven guys are from different parts of Korea originally. So they're kind of like, and they're not like doing like uh, what's a you know like a East Side West Side you know rapper kind of you know tur- turf wars or anything like that. They are all, and even though that has occurred in Korea with these regions like where people think they're better, people from that area are better. Those people are hicks. These people are sophisticated, you know, like that kind of. Um, but these guys all from whatever region they. are, they offer their support to the other regions as well. They say, this is where I'm from, and this is why I like it. And the next guy goes, well, this is where I'm from, and this is why I like it. They don't say anything bad about the other ones, even ones that have been historically, like, looked down on. Like, there's one specific, Gwangju is a city um, on the West Coast, uh, that during the I think 70s, there was um, a, the 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 president or whoever was in the it was a like not a good political atmosphere in all of South Korea, um, and they in this one area they had like a riot like an uprising, and the government then sort of instead of saying because we're corrupt and they are rebelling they made it sound like that 
these are communists, these people who had, and people died like in these riots and stuff, um, but that they were connected to North Korea in some way um, and that they were trying to cause an um, insurgence of communism in the South. So they turned, the government made it sound like they were the bad guys when they were protesting the corrupt government. And the corrupt government says, oh no, those guys, they're, they're just communists, like, you know. So then everyone looks down on that area. They're like, That's where all the commies live, you know, <laughs> things like that. All right, well, let's take a listen to uh, Ma City. Uh, my favorite uh, part of that song is uh, um, who's Sugar. It's from Daegu. It's a, not a very um, like high class town. It's kind of a gross, like a Detroit sort of working class. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his line says something like, um, uh, "Daegu doesn't have much going for it, but now it can be famous for me because I'm from there." He's <laughs> <That's laughs> cool. got swag, right? Hey, swing it if you got it. Right? Yep. All right, the next track um, is Silver Spoon. Wow, that was a, when I said tighten it up, that was short. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I like that song. It was yeah. cool. I, I enjoyed the... There's a really good it's vibe up, here. Upbeat. Like, Yeah. yeah. Um, and like I said before, the, the first time I was exposed to BTS, I did not find it offensive to my ears. Like, I enjoyed listening to it. And now having some depth, like knowing what's going on, uh, makes me appreciate it even more. Exactly. Mm. So, so not so esoteric anymore. Now it's graspable. This is the thing for all you people out there that are uh, nervous about uh, things that are esoteric. Just um, <laughs> knock, and you will be let in. <laughs> so, silver spoon. Yes. Lay it on me, babe. Oh, okay. Um, this is another uh, sort of social, political, um, about class structures in Korea. And especially, it kind of makes me think of, you know, Generation X, you know, in the 90s, we had a whole thing about uh, the lack of opportunities, like upwardly mobile opportunities, like how much generations change from like the boomers, where you could graduate from college and buy a house and you know what I mean and then in the 90s you know you can have a master's degree and be working in a coffee shop you know and feeling like the generation that came before you didn't do you any favors you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and especially in Korea like so like these young people coming up there having this not able to get a job or you know just struggling um and and the older generation because in in Asia this is typical too though is this um you know well you're not working hard enough for it that's you know and they're saying it doesn't matter how hard you work some people just can't get ahead so the silver spoon is obviously a reference to you know being born with a silver spoon in your mouth but the korean title is bepse which is actually a kind of bird, a very small little bird. And it's based on uh, a saying that is common in Korea that says, if a bepse tries to run like a crane or a stork, 
it will break its leg. It's like, don't reach beyond your means. You know, it's like, don't pretend you're a crane when you're just a little tiny bird. And they're saying like, that's just a way to keep people down. Like say, don't try to reach past what is uh, yours to, you know, like, um, I'm not... like, yeah, beyond your means. Like, if you're a poor person, then you just stay poor. Don't try to act rich. You know what I mean? Like, that's not going to... Okay, I did not describe that well. Okay. If you want to... Uh, never mind. You're getting... <laughs> never mind. Well, we'll dive in, collect your thoughts. We'll come back in on the other side. All right, let's listen to Silversmith. So listening to the song, you can definitely hear a mocking tone and making fun of their elders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And which is kind of funny, too. Like, I'm thinking in my mind, um, you know, they're, they're talking about teachers or adults, but I would think that this also goes towards, like, the people at the studio, their, their handlers and whatnot. Just try harder, you know? Just shut up yeah. and do your thing, because... Yeah, because. I guess it's a it's a gen, yeah a generational thing about you know I, that's what it's always been that way anywhere here you know it's the same thing. My grandfather was like, you know, uh, if you put five dollars aside every week, you'd be a millionaire by the time you're twenty five. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, brush <laughs> it off, put a bandaid on it. Yeah. All right, so um, we're getting... well, on before. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, good I lord, we have my Aaron microphone here. up. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> Oh, it was I, isn't that a theme we probably explore a lot though? Because we listen to it, uh, at least on this show, because we listen to a lot of these emo groups, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of time it's like, oh, well, you know, everyone makes it so much harder, and there's like all these expectations of yeah. what I should do, but nobody's here to help me get there, so yeah. I'm gonna stay that way because I don't have a hand up or a hand to help me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something we talk about inadvertently a lot on the show because I bring in a lot of whiny teenagers to talk about stuff, but, um, yeah. (laughs) And that sounds judging of me to say whiny, but it's no, but, and I think you raise a good point that, um, and and I think it's something that people tend to forget different genres of music. It's like being humans, a universal experience. Mm -hmm. So this might be considered like hip hop. I, 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 uh, pop, you know, whatever term you want to throw on yeah. it, or K-pop, um, but there's a lot of the same things going on. It's, it, and and yeah. not to jump ahead, but uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to listen to an album that hasn't been released yet, and that's uh, it'll be released by the time it comes out, and that's the Dead Poets Society album. And there is a track on there where I don't want to repeat the whole thing, but generally the whole... It's just him talking, and it's him saying that, you know, if you felt something, everybody else has felt the same thing, just mm-hmm. in a different way. Yep. Yep. You know. And the Beatles even said that, you know. Nothing can be said that hasn't been said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So we're uh, we're getting close to rounding out this album here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next track, Dead Leaves. So uh, give us a little bit about that, Kay. So this is another um, like a breakup type song, like a like a romance. Um, a, again, about like fragility, things that you can't keep them the way they are because they're going to change. 
regardless, you know. And when they call it dead leaves, it's specifically not supposed to refer to, it's sometimes translated as autumn leaves, but that's evocative of like, you know, color. And, and this is referring specifically to like the very end right before winter, like that last brown dried up leaf that's just clinging to the tree limb I see a few and, right outside right, the window exactly. like staring at them right now. So let me, uh, let me blah, 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 blah. it's, um, uh, yeah, like in a theme with butterfly too, like something that's fragile, that's, that's not going to last, you know. I think basically that song and the 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 theme that runs throughout the album is uh, sort of about interconnectedness, you know, like a balance, a relationship between everything, and trying to hold everything in place is going to fail eventually. Like it's things are going to change whether you like it or not. Um, and there's only so much control you can exert over your environment, which goes with the theme too of the of the universe, in that you can only go back in time so many times, like try to figure out what you could have done differently to make a different outcome. You know, that's it's not really a sustainable uh, model, if you will. You know. Yeah. Just made me think of that line in uh, Avengers Endgame. Uh, was it Infinity? It must have been Infinity War when Doctor Strange is like, uh, I looked at all the possible outcomes of this battle. There was like 600 million. <laughs> and Tony says, how many did we win? One. <laughs> um, so I was looking at the English translation of the lyrics, and there's one line that really kind of jumped out at me. And, and again, I realized going in that this is somebody interpreting... Um, it's it's probably I'm gonna guess on genius. It's probably a literal interpretation. It of probably is the lyrics, but the line is um, lingering feelings hung out piece by piece like laundry, and like that's that's just a great image. Like I dig that. Yeah, they have a lot of nice imagery, poetic. I mean, I think the lyrics are elevated beyond your usual, you know, K-pop. And you know, like people always, you've heard that expression, airing your dirty laundry. Yeah. Like, nobody ever criticizes somebody for airing their clean laundry, which is what people frequently do. <laughs> right? If you put your laundry on the line, it's clean. you don't hang dirty laundry on the line. Am I right? Oh, God. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So. Shower thoughts with Chris Schultz. Yeah, really. So uh, on WATD the other day, Liz Raven was talking about Jack well, Handy. Where is this going? Jack Handy and his deep, deep thoughts. Deep thoughts Jack uh, Handy. <laughs> And she was like, oh, it's from the 80s. And I was like, no, dear, it's from the 90s. But, you know, whatevs. Um, Talk about Liz Raven. Yeah, that's that's, that's so niche. I might ask her to be on the do a one-on-one Liz Raven. Um, anyway, so we've come to the last song on um, our album. Um, which, again, House of Cards. 
you know, a delicate balance that is probably not going to, you know, you can't move into a house of cards, you know, it's not going to stay <laughs> around. Um, this song is interesting in that they didn't write it. It was written by their um, producer um, and it's all vocal. It's just a vocal. So there's no rap and it's basically, again, just like a love song. But the fact that it's a house of cards, you know, is it continues with the theme of, uh, you know, just knowing that everything's kind of doomed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're in a doomed relationship, you know, and you ever get that feeling like sometimes, like especially when there's a lot of stress in your life, that everything is just so fragile that if you move the wrong way, it's all gonna blow to hell. Yep, exactly. All right, let's uh, let's take a listen to House of Cards. So that's the outro, you know, brings the whole story together. That's how they structured their albums. We so caliente. Yes, it's uh, yeah, it's a fan favorite, as I was saying off air earlier. Um, it's quite popular with the ladies. <laughs> and it kind of reminded me a little bit. What was that last album that we reviewed? Um, discussed sorry we don't do reviews we don't review albums what do you mean like the legit last one we just yeah did? what was our last episode uh, mr sure. asylum mr asylum some of those um songs about like self-destructive relationships yeah um kind of cut that kind of same vibe here yeah. with that house of cards like we know it's a house of cards it's all gonna come down but yep. you know what we're gonna go for it anyway mm-hmm. so that was um that was the album that was the album so for the parents out there, I see we. I, I think some a, a portion of our audience, at least, is, is middle aged folks who have kids who may be into BTS. So I know it's easy to be dismissive of a uh, a pop band that your kid is currently obsessed with, but as we can see, there's a lot more going on here um, than just seven good looking guys singing about love. Yeah, that's um, for sure, and definitely worth. Worth scratching the surface, getting at the substrate. That's another thing, too, about, like, K-pop fandom. Like, being a fan of music that is not in the language that you speak normally is a commitment. You know what I mean? You, It's not just, you don't just listen. You have to actively listen. You have to seek out translations. And, um, you know, so it's it's involves more on the part of the audience than just, uh, like, passive listening. Like. Yeah, it's challenging music, but more pleasant to the ears. Yeah. Whereas the challenging music that I usually listen to is uh, in a challenging taste. to listen to, <laughs> not to understand. <laughs> well, and I think that's the interesting thing with this album. We didn't. It's not us trying to decipher necessarily what's going on. We're trying to legit do literal translations and, and figure things out. So there's a there's a different level of. Um, intelligence that comes with this you know mm-hmm. uh, it's not just the emotional intelligence to understand the situations that people are going through but the actual legitimate ability to 
research you know, and, yeah. <laughs> and and feel those emotions through a different lens you know what i mean so yeah. you, you know you get a not only can you hear what they're saying by just looking at the translation but you can feel it too yeah you know? mm-hmm. and i think that's important to communicate you communicate more than just through the words that you say that's true right yeah. So I, I can say as, as being the spouse of Carrie, Carrie takes a, not only spends a lot of time listening um, to BTS, but um, you you have some BTS-related pursuits. Um, yes, I would say that I do have some BTS-related <laughs> pursuits. <laughs> and I, I mentioned earlier, so when we originally, so it was a while ago that I considered adding this to our, our roster of, of albums that we would listen to. Not this particular album, but taking a look at BTS. And originally, I, I remember asking you if there was a an expert that would be good to reach out to. And you mentioned Miss Mushi. Mrs. Mooish. Mrs. Mooish. See, I knew I would thought of that. So what she does, I guess, uh, from what you said, is takes a literal translation of the lyrics. Um, she goes, she dives deeper. Uh, she's totally bilingual. Um, she can, so she reads them in Korean. And there's, you know, Korean is written in characters, not, uh, you know, Roman letters. And so there's all deeper, she can pull things apart, like puns that in Korean that we wouldn't get. Like if you just translated it literally, you wouldn't understand that those two words sound the same in Korean. And that's so, you know what I mean? Um, uh, So, yeah, she she does more of like a, a poetic uh deconstructing of it she doesn't just do a literal translation and she points out um cultural references things like you know that you wouldn't know like the things that you know like references to things in history or popular tv shows that we wouldn't necessarily be aware of that you also do some interpretations yourself um, i i I don't speak korean but i take some of these literal because to me um what i was trying to do and when you just literally translate again when you just literally translate it's just words you know but it's poetry is what it should be you know so i'm taking what i see written which does not sound poetic and i'm changing it to words that i think express better what the uh what the feeling of the song is i am i'm much more eloquent in writing than i am in speaking so (laughs) um but i so i have a a page on facebook which is called uh what's it called president kim's bts lyric spot and um so i consult other translations like genius or mrs mooish um there's another uh girl who calls herself dual set who's got a WordPress. She also speaks Korean and English. And so, um, and I sort of um, boil them all down, like read all the different things and then try to put it together so that it's in a poem structure, again, that expresses what literally is being said in a fancier way <laughs> so feel free to check that out on facebook all right i'll get the links and we'll have that up on our blog so anybody want to check out any of those resources there'll be a lot more. fewer ums and what do you call it and that kind of thing uh well we do have a talented audio engineer that always makes us sound more beautiful than we are you make Excellent. it sound like i know what i'm doing 
I'm completely self-taught. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know more than me, so you're, you got that going. All right, so um, Aaron, what do we got in store for us next week? So I still need to coordinate this, uh, but we are going to be interviewing Aaron Garcia from Pillbook on his new record, El Premier Paso. Um, I don't believe I've ever played with Pillbook, but I do know the people in and around him and you know the, the group that he's a part of. So that's kind of how we know each other. I think we're also friends on Facebook, so... Cool, cool. Um, but that'll be a fun um, record. I listened to it by accident, and I liked it, so we're going to listen to it. Nice. Well, I want to, uh, anybody who, um, you know, as you know, the general format on our show is we switch back week to week. Uh, Aaron, There's something Aaron brings to the table, something I bring to the table. You know, I was listening back to our old episodes the other day. The first episode we ever did that was season one, episode seven, is when we started going back and forth. Really? Yes. Interesting. We've evolved so much since we have. then. Um so for for anybody who pays attention to my picks, um, you, you may want to be thankful that we went with BTS this week because it was uh, something pleasant to listen to. Uh, my next pick coming in is going to be a little more challenging. So, so uh, we have me to break it up. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, we got Aaron's week, and then we're going in for some um, some sonic dissonance. Um, Yikes. So until then, you know, make sure you you check out esotericofthepodcast.com. Uh, we'll have, uh, again, we try to expand upon our episodes with links in our blog post. Uh, we have links to our social media. And uh, if you want to communicate at us, that would be great. I know the BTS fans are, are big and vocal. Um, so if anybody happens upon our um, little outfit listening to this episode, definitely please let us know what you think. And um, Yeah, and this might be as good a time as any to mention, you know, we've been trying to be a little more active on Reddit. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have a, an opinion or a point of view, just post it on our subreddit, Esoteric of the Podcast, right? Yes, uh, all yeah. our episodes are on there. And, and the point of that is to be a discussion board because on our episodes, it's Aaron and I talking about our thoughts. Um, today we have Carrie here with us, and, and we are genuinely interested yeah. in what other people think of um We discuss albums. Well. We don't review them. And so we're not trying to sit here and say whether something's objectively good or not. The whole point is to hear the perspectives of, you know, we have a multi-generational look at it. And we also want your multi-generational look at it. Yeah, remember, so. you're, you're never wrong unless you're putting a shitty annotation on genius. Then you're wrong. Then you're wrong. Other than that, it's all open. Um, so, uh, until next week. Stay esoteric. Stay esoteric.